for all you baseball and softball players out there of all ages, young and old, of all shapes and sizes, and for those of us in the stands cheering you on, this week's stories are for you. Play ball. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. I'm Professor Theo. Welcome to the lab. I'm broadcasting from the campus of Splendid University. In lovely, wondrous, adventurous downtown Splendid, West Virginia. Home to some of the most extraordinary kids in all the land. Kid explorers, kid superheroes, kid astronauts, and much more. We have our fair share of talented kid athletes as well. On my mind, with spring and warmer weather, it's the new baseball season. I always eat a zero candy bar on baseball's opening day each spring. Zero candy bars, like the sport of baseball, take me back. When I was a youngster, I would often visit my grandparents in southern Ohio. One thing I remember about these trips is a small grocery store in the town of South Point that sold these magical white chocolate creations. At the time, zero candy bars were not that popular, and this particular market seemed to be the only place on earth where they existed. Naturally, a trip to my grandparents meant chowing down on one of my favorite candy treats. In addition to treating my young chocolate addiction, a day at my grandparents' house also usually involved listening to a baseball game on the radio. My grandmother and grandfather were big fans of the Cincinnati Reds and listened to ball games on the radio daily. The visual image of my youth at their house includes me sitting on the floor, playing marbles, a disheveled candy wrapper beside me, and the Reds being broadcast while my grandparents reacted either frustratingly or in celebration. I was a Reds fan. In fact, at the time, I probably owned a Reds t-shirt for every day of the week. From spring through early fall, you'd likely see me decked out in clothing that paid tribute to the likes of Eric Davis, Chris Sabo, Barry Larkin, and more. And I collected baseball cards... Many cards I have now passed on to my son. Much of my lawn mowing and chore money went to these t-shirts and baseball cards. The beginning of a new baseball season always feels like the start of a new school year. I'm a professor now, so the comparison makes sense. At the beginning of a new year, everyone feels hopeful, optimistic, and ready for the years of preparation to meet the moment of action. It's the same way I imagine every single baseball player and softball player right now feels as he or she steps onto the field to begin the march toward a new season. I don't follow sports as closely as I did in my youth, but I'll still be celebrating with my zero candy bar, now widely available, and I'm sure the radio dial will make its way to a Reds game at some point. Enjoy it, players, fans, 
Play ball. This week's stories are based on splendid youth that I have observed in action on the baseball field or softball field. Let's get right to them. Jenny hit the ball. Jenny had only been up to bat a few times this season, and she'd struck out every time. She was skilled when it came to practice, but Jenny froze up at game time. Strike one. Strike two. Strike three. Jenny struck out looking over and over again. How do you think this made Jenny feel? She was frustrated, to be sure. Upset. Sad. All those ill feelings Jenny had bottled up came bursting out one day, when at long last she swung that bat hard and made contact. Jenny's bat didn't just make contact with the softball, but she hit it harder, I dare say, than any softball has ever been struck. The ball soared high into the air, high out of sight, and never came down. Jenny rounded the bases while teammates, coaches, and parents stood staring at the sky. They were all waiting for the ball to drop. It didn't. Jenny had hit the ball and sent it soaring northeast, where it flew from West Virginia all the way to New York, over the top of the Empire State Building in New York City. That's not all. The ball kept going. It sailed clear across the Atlantic Ocean, a mile in the air above Big Ben, the biggest, most accurate clock in the world in London, England. Next, swift winds blew the ball southeast, where it blasted right past an ancient temple called the Parthenon in Greece. The ball Jenny hit didn't stop there. It continued eastward. Eventually, the ball soared high above the two most populous countries in the whole world. Do you know what they are? India and China, both which boast populations of over one billion people each. Over these countries, the softball spied the Taj Mahal, the most majestic monument of eternal love, and a portion of the near 4,000-mile-long Great Wall of China. That softball Jenny had popped kept going on a long journey high above the Pacific Ocean, the largest and deepest ocean on Earth. It continued on its way back to America. Jenny's softball flew above the clouds over Hawaii and through the girders of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. It kept going over one state after another, the Great Plains, the Midwest, and more making its way all the way back home to good old West Virginia. By the time that ball plopped back down on earth, the game was long finished, Jenny's team won, and everyone had gone home. Everyone but me. I just sat there in the stands, several hours later, waiting for that ball to drop. And drop it did, right on home plate, after a trip around the whole wide world. Maybe you believe me, maybe you don't. Some people say I have a tendency to exaggerate. But I know Jenny hit the ball that day 
hard, out of the park, far out of it. She might not ever hit another home run again, or maybe she'll hit lots of them, but she'll never forget that first one. Keep at it, kids, in softball and in life. Sometimes you gotta strike out a whole lot before you finally get a hit. But when you finally do swing, swing hard. Aim for the sky. My next story on baseball, winning, and losing. It's a poem, really. Uh, an ABC poem, which explores two players from two different teams that I observed. One triumphant, the other defeated both of the same mind when it comes to the work required to get to the top. As I mentioned, this is a poem, what I call an ABC poem. It's 26 lines, a type of acrostic poem, where the first line begins with an A, the second a B, the third a C, and so on and so forth through the entire alphabet. On baseball, winning and losing. A, boy. Caught the deep fly ball, ending a long game. Finally, a celebration could commence. Goal setting met a moment of action. Hal had secured championship for his team. I just worked, knowing each day's labor builds to something momentous, Hal said, grinning wide. Nathan. Outplayed most people in baseball, quitting never an option. Resolute in his skills, though sad for this day's close loss. Though knowing, I don't lose, I learn. Until next time, Nathan spoke confidently, we'll win. Vital, worldly lessons exist in winning yet also in defeat. Zenith's the reward for all. That's all for this week, listeners. Leaving you with one final thought. Able to learn, work, try again, because nothing worth doing is easy indeed. I think the characters from this week's stories know what I mean. We'll be back soon with April showers and a tale of a little girl who turned into a giant towering over the city of Splendid. Be careful what you wish for. In the meantime, have a wild and wondrous and wonderful an adventurous week, listeners. Be good to each other. Hello, this is Risty Joy again. You've been listening to Professor Theo's Mystery Lab, which is written and read by my adorable husband, Jonathan Joy. And Levi Joy. Thank you for rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes. Please continue to spread the word. Also, consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. 
You can email our family at theprofessortheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening.